The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Good morning. I'm Alicia Besser, and I have the privilege of serving as the district superintendent. And if you don't know Methodist lingo, that just means that I oversee the 54 churches in our area. I was with John on Monday when he got the news about Ben, and I quickly offered to preach. He waited on that idea, and I got a text Wednesday morning asking if the offer still stands. Well, of course. Uh, I got a text from him this morning. He is enjoying his time with his family. Uh, Ben is home. It's a wait-and-see game, Uh, but they're going to church together as a family. So we praise God for that and continue to pray for him. Oh, this text is filled with all kinds of interesting things. I could preach on this text uh, for about a month, but I won't. I just have one sermon, and here's the good news for you. It's a short sermon because I have to leave here at noon for a charge conference out at Bridge City. Um, So are y'all upset that I'm not going to preach that long? I know. John said it would be fine, but, you know. Um, I was 16 years old, had my driver's license about eight months um, when I got pulled over for the first time. Do you remember that fear and trembling you had? I know there are some of you in the room that have never been pulled over in a traffic stop, but I'm not one of those individuals, I confess. I was driving down the seawall. I'm born and raised in Galveston, Texas. Driving down the seawall, and we weren't going very fast, taking my friend Melanie home from school, when lo and behold, a police officer pulls me over. I pull out my driver's license and hand it to him, and he starts to laugh. This is not a good sign when you're 16 years old. You don't want a police officer laughing at you, but he's laughing, and he says to me, Which one do you belong to? And I knew it. You see, he knew my people. He knew my family. And he was really asking, which one's your dad, Henry or Robert? Our people, our family. That's sort of a southern slang for family, isn't it? Uh, We might say, well, our people are from, and fill in the blank, right? But the truth be known, there are more groups than just our family that Uh, we would consider our people. Um, We consider our colleagues our people. They're our people in different situations. Our neighborhood is filled with our people. We live together in community in the same neighborhood. They're our people. If you're a member of a service organization like Rotary or Lions Club, or perhaps you were in a fraternity or sorority, well, they're your people. You may not know them, but you run into a fellow Rotarian, and well, lo and behold, they're suddenly your people. There are all kinds of individuals that we consider our people. Consider sports fans. Yes, I don't know about here, but I'm guessing we're all Astros fans, except for a few Red Sox fans that still linger out there. And they're, I mean, we're a people, right? In Silveria's world, it's the, uh, it's the Cowboys. We might root for the Texans down here, but Silverio is rooting for the Cowboys, and that group of people, that's, that's his people, the Cowboys fans. Today, in our text, James is talking about our people, and he means the church. 
He means the church. For surely the church is filled with our people. So I look out of this congregation and I think about the relationships that are intertwined, the experiences that you've had together. You are a people, our people. People who believe in Jesus Christ are knitted together into a family. And James says to us that a mark of this people group, of this family, of this community, is a commitment to prayer. Prayers of concern and care for one another. James reminds us that prayer binds a community together. He says if, if anyone's suffering, if anybody in the group's got a problem, if anybody's lacking a job, if anybody's wrestling with a decision, if anybody's hurting, we'll pray. Is anyone cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. James has taken us back to the Old Testament, to the Psalms that offer uh, words of prayer that were put to music and the travelers sung them along the way. Yes, we should surely praise God for the good things in life. As a community, as the people of God, our people, we praise God for the good things that God is doing in one another's lives. Aren't we still celebrating the birth of Kate Sanchez? We're stronger together when we praise God for good things. I loved what you said, Greg. There were so many things to praise God for, we couldn't fill the whole page, so we just didn't try. Right? We praise God together. People of God, our people, people of faith, we pray. We pray when we suffer. We pray when we praise. We also pray when we're sick. James says, call the elders, get the leaders together, take it seriously, gather around, get the oil. Oil was, a, was seen as a healing agent. Anoint them and pray. Yes, we know that when we're sick, when someone we love is sick, we pray for them. And we share those concerns with one another, knowing that the Lord is listening to our prayers. Then James goes to a place we are not expecting. It's okay to pray for the suffering, even to praise God when there's something good. Of course you pray uh, for someone who's sick. But now James challenges us to confess our sins to one another. He's getting serious. Who really wants to do that? Who's really planning on, we could just stop the service and we'll all confess our sins to one another and offer pardon. Anyone looking forward to that experience? No, I didn't think so. Didn't think so. But James is challenging us to confess to one another. You see, um, in order to be people that confess to one another and to offer pardon, we have to be people of, uh, who have a deep level of love and trust for one another. A deep level of love and trust for one another. We're willing, it's difficult to admit when life's not perfect, when challenges face us, whether physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Some of us are even reluctant to share our joys because we don't want to be braggadocious. But to admit that we have fallen short of the glory of God, that is a challenge many of us don't want to do. 
the people who truly love and trust one another. They create what I like to call like a container where love and pain sit together, where holiness and confession of sin sit together, and it's okay because we can love and support one another and offer the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who extends forgiveness to us all. Prayers of the people offered in the context of love and trust make us responsible for one another. Let's go back to the beginning of Genesis. Remember when Cain killed Abel and he's questioned and Cain responds, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes. And our, um, the community of recovering addicts understands this. If you are an NA or, or AA, you understand this. Our friends who are in recovery, um, they know that when someone goes off the wagon, you don't just let them go. You go after them. And you offer them help. And you offer them a pathway to reconciliation. Because we're stronger together. We're stronger together. We are responsible for one another, and so we go after one another. Does that mean that uh, we shoulder all the burdens? I am responsible for your actions completely? No, but I am responsible, and you are responsible for going after them with the love of Christ and bringing to them through prayer the power of the Holy Spirit, which is at work in their lives and in our lives to bring healing and wholeness. Yes, James describes a community of people, our people, who love and trust one another so much that we are responsible for one another. Finally, prayer expands our idea of our people. Uh, this week, Ben Stover had a seizure. If you've not heard that news, if you are a, a visitor to our community today, our pastor's son, who lives out of state, had a seizure. Now, I don't know about you. May you, maybe you're close friends with Ben, but I've only met him once or twice. But he's John's son. I remember when he got married and moved with his bride out of state for her to go to graduate school. I've heard stories along the way. He's John's son. He's John's people. But John's our people. I've known John many years. John's son, a member of his family, is hurting. And so we hurt for them. Ben, by extension, is our people. And so we pray for Ben. And we will continue to pray for Ben. Our community expands. Our people expands. Are there any UMW ladies in the room? A few UMW ladies? All right. Well, last month, Evelyn Duncan, who is a UMW member from Bridge, the Bridge City United Methodist Church, St. Paul's, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And the word spread through Facebook that Evelyn Duncan had a brain tumor. And so we began to pray. And I am reminded uh, once again that the concerns of you and I become the concerns of everyone else. Because we are people of faith. 
And though we may not know Evelyn very well, she is a fellow believer, and so her health condition matters to us. And so we pray. When we care for one another, the concerns of each other expands our community, and our prayers go throughout the world. And so the world becomes our people. Yesterday, I was driving over the causeway. I was visiting my parents when I got news of the shooting in Pittsburgh. I grew up in a community with many Jewish people. And so it struck home for me. Um, because my people, the kids that I grew up with, are now hurting. So I'm hurting. And we as Americans are hurting, as you alluded to in the prayer, because our fellow citizens have gone through such a tragic thing. But even more so, fellow children of God, who were worshiping just like we are today, were in harm's way and were injured. There are people, there are people, and their people are our people. And James reminds us that if we are people of faith, then our community is ever-expanding. And we are to be people that love and, and trust. We create this environment where we pray for one another and we love and trust one another so much that we hold each other responsible for our actions and we bring them to the throne of grace that God's power might be at work in one another's lives. Yes, our people are God's people. Uh, last night, I saw a message from Rabbi Neil Katz. He's the rabbi in Tyler. I had the privilege of serving with him when I lived there. And I'll end with his thoughts, his prayers. He says, friends, we were all shocked by the news this morning coming out of Pittsburgh. An anti-Semitic attack on the Tree of Life synagogue during Shabbat services took multiple lives and injured many more, including police officers. In moments like these, people often say there are no words. But my community does have words. Words of prayer. We have words of peace. May the God who makes peace in heaven make peace for us and all the people of Israel. We have words of comfort. May God console you among the other mourners of Israel and Jerusalem. We have words of contemplation. God gives and God takes. Blessed be God's name. We have words of strength. May God give strength unto God's people and may God bless his people with peace. Words of protection. Keep far from us all evil. May our paths be free from all obstacles from when we go out until we return home. Words of resolve. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no harm, for you are with me. And words of love. How deeply you have loved us, Adonai, our God, gracing us with surprising compassion. Yes, we have words, and let us use them carefully. My friends, may the prayers of our hearts join together that all people near and far 
may experience the love of Christ, rest in a place of love and trust, that they too may experience the power of God's grace. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.